Okay. <laughs> you should have kept that on there. <laughs> oh, I know. Okay. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Soberland. I am your host, Lindsay. Today's guest is one of my friends from Florida. Yeah. Who now resides in Richmond. And her name is Sarah Matthews. Woo. What Not do you call your listeners? Soberlandonians? Um, I have ha- I haven't decided on a name yet. What do you think? Sobies? So I've heard Sobies. Soberlandians. Landers. <laughs> Landers. Soberlanders. That's probably Slanders. <laughs> Slanders. <laughs> what I, yeah, I gotta come up with a good name for them. But um so I like Sobies. Yes. Everyone loves an abbreviation. Yeah. I don't have time for the full name. Definitely not. You uh, are doing a California trip. I am. You started off in L.A. here, (laughs) right? Well, I went to, yeah, I flew into L.A. and ate at In-N-Out Burger. Mm, First stop, yeah. Yeah. um, You were busy. Wait, can I ask, what what was your order? (laughs) I got just a cheeseburger with french fries and a chocolate milkshake. Nice. You didn't do any of, like, the animal style, protein Um, style? I got onions. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it was my first caloric intake of the day. So Nice. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was famished. Straight <laughs> famished. Um, yeah. And then I went, you were busy. You were taking your real estate class. Oh, yeah. So I got <laughs> a... I thought about getting my real estate license for five seconds. Yeah. And then I was for like, no. For the length of the class. <laughs> <laughs> no, like halfway through, <laughs> yeah. I was like, this isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got a tree house in Topanga State Park which was cool. Mm. Um, and then hung out in Venice Beach for the day. And then when you got off work, um, I was confronted with L.A. traffic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like two hours from Venice to my house, right? Or something like that, yeah. Insane. Um, but it's like 15 miles. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Welcome to L.A. Yeah. Um, and then been kicking around here ever since. Yeah, I'm like fully impressed by all of the things that you have planned because you have actually taught me more about LA than <laughs> I have taught you. Um, yeah, you know, lots of cool restaurants like the Titanic. There's a Titanic theme restaurant in LA. I had Cafe no idea. Drac. No idea that existed. Uh, you introduced me to a new Mediterranean place in my neighborhood. Yes, walking distance. Yeah, and you told me about the Velvet Museum, which you're going to yeah. go to today. No, no idea these things. Velveteria. <laughs> yeah, usually it's the the person that lives here that knows what's going on, <laughs> but not the case. Yeah. Um, oh, and right now um, <laughs> we have a special two special guests. Oh yes, the yeah. Olsen twins. Yeah, in the background to cover up my AC unit. <laughs> I also want everyone to know that from the waist down, we're wearing pajamas. <laughs> it's Hollywood. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like them there because I used to have a really ugly yellow blanket that just did not go with my like the theme of my house. So I took it down finally. But then you have like my nasty AC unit back there. So I was just through the, the twins back there to hang out. Yeah. And you were saying that. Um, they've like scared you a few times since you've been here. Right? Oh yeah. Well, I walked past them and I thought <laughs> I saw you out of the corner of my eye, but then I turned and saw two and I was like, ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they, they get you. Yeah. Um, the only time they get me now is if I'm, if I see them through the mirror in my bedroom, I'll think that someone's oh, in my house. Gotcha. Like, yeah. yeah. That's the, that's the yeah. twins. Do you ever do the move where you like hang a hoodie, like before you go to bed and you're like, 
that's going to scare the shit out of me when I wake up in the middle of the night to pee. Oh, it's because yeah. you think it's like a person? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, I haven't done that. Oh, but okay. I can see how that could happen. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then tonight we are going to Largo. Yeah. I've never been. Once again, you've yeah. been <laughs> introducing me to something new. <laughs> to see Chelsea Peretti, one of my favorite comedians. I don't really, I've never really seen her stand up. I know who she is. Like, I've yeah. seen her more in TV shows and stuff. So I'm excited. Yeah, she's really funny. And we don't know who else is performing, but... It's Chelsea Pretty and Friends, so I'm putting out in the universe that Pete Holmes will be there, because he's my fave. And I'm putting out that Nick Kroll will be there, because I think he's attractive. Yeah. (laughs) Look it up. Yeah. (laughs) So, that's cool. And then, also, this weekend, I just found out, is actually Pride Weekend in LA, which is, like, a huge party all weekend, especially in West Hollywood. There's a big parade. And before we even knew that, we decided we were going to go down there to um to hang out so that should be an event yes lots of people Mm -hmm. lots of penises i'm going to take you to this place called flaming saddles where the dance they have because every gay bar down there basically has dancers that are wearing like barely any clothing um and so this particular one the dancers they they just wear jeans and cowboy hats and they Mm -hmm. swing from ropes all over the place like around the bar and it's just there's nothing like it. Very into that. <laughs> so it should be fun. I um, love a queer cowboy. Yeah, me too. Don't we all? What was that movie, Brokeback Mountain? I've actually never seen it. Me either. Yeah. R.I.P. Heath. I feel like that was inspired by that movie. And then um, the rest of your trip, are going to Joshua Tree tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow morning I'm going to drive to Joshua Tree um, and camp for the night. And then... I'll drive through Palm Springs. I might hike, but I hurt my knee, so mm. might not. So it's either hiking or breaking into a pool. And then I go to San Diego for a few days, and then I fly home from San Diego. That's a really fun trip. And you're yeah. doing this by yourself. I am doing it by That's myself. That's awesome. Yeah, self-care. I've actually recently been talking about on here how I want to do some traveling by myself, yeah. so you're it's like... my first time. Really? Yeah. Would you recommend so far? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's been so much fun. Because you can just do what you want and not have to worry about other people's, like, you know, whoever else you're traveling with, like, what they want to do or... Yeah, yeah. You just kind of do... You have a lot of freedom. Yeah, exactly. Like, yesterday when I... I don't know, like, I kept changing my plans yesterday. And then I ended up just being like, oh, well, that taco place or the breakfast burrito place is, like, a half-hour walk, so I'll just walk because I want to get some sun. I had, like, some time to kill. So I was like, oh, I'll just walk around. It was really nice. Just, like, I don't know. I... I'm surprisingly good company, I think. Mm, with yourself? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I should briefly, we should share how we we know each other. We, um, You and I worked at a wine bar in Orlando like years and years ago. Yes. For like just a few months. Yeah. Well, I worked there forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you worked there for like five years. I was only yeah. there for a few months yeah. while I was in college. And it's kind of funny because we like obviously got along when we worked there, but we didn't really hang out too much outside of work. And no. yeah, we weren't like super, super close. But then we remained friends on social media. And you've actually been reaching out about, you reached out about the podcast episode that you were enjoying it. And then we kind of have become I feel like closer yeah now through the podcast 
And so when you came to LA, I was like, yes, I need to see you. Oh, that's awesome. So we can talk about mental health and hang out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I remember, um, well, I remember when you like posted that you were a month sober and I was like, that's so awesome. Like I've been, you know, like sick of drinking and like, I'm just like, oh, I'm just like kind of tired of it. And I've dabbled with the idea of like quitting and like we talked about that for a little while. And then when I saw that you were like doing the podcast, I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I also have some positive news stories for us, which I haven't read in a while. Do you follow Tank's Good News on Instagram? No. What <gasps> is that? It's Tank's Good News. Who's Tank? Um, I don't know. Some beefy bald guy who posts positive things. You should follow him. Okay. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I usually grab these from goodnewsnetwork.com org each one that i pulled is dog related oh because we both love dog strings <laughs> yeah you have a, a pit bull named murphy. murphy and i have truman who has gotten to lick your entire body oh my god yeah <laughs> he's a big licker <laughs> yep um <laughs> haven't even showered since i got here <laughs> this one is okay dog is finally rescued by a hiker three weeks after falling into cave miles from civilization Buddy, what were you doing out there? I know. Um, after being in a trapped in a cave for three weeks, this lucky pup was finally saved thanks to a hiker who happened to be to hear her calls for help. Joe Dunn. I went to college with a guy named Joe Dunn. I wonder if that's the same. <gasps> Maybe it is because it's in Tampa, Florida. Oh, my gosh. That could you be know the guy. a hero. <laughs> I could know this Joe Dunn. Well, he was hiking in Tampa, Florida. Which, first of all, where is there hiking there? But um, a deep cave. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But upon upon following the canine cries, he found the dog trapped at the very bottom of a deep cave. Uh, Without any rope or safety equipment, he had no idea how he would be able to save the dog without getting trapped into the cave himself. Additionally, the cave was located several miles away from civilization. Dunn had almost no cell phone coverage in the woods, and daylight was fading fast. This is really detailed. Dunn quickly dumped all of his food and snacks into the cave so the dog would have something to eat before he hiked back out of the forest and posted a call for help on his social media pages. The very next day, several good Samaritans from across central Florida drove to Tampa and followed Dunn to the park with rescue equipment in hand. Um, once they found the cave, the distressed dog was still inside. One of the volunteers attached themselves to a cable and, and repelled into the gorge. The rescuers then secured the dog into a harness so other hikers could pull her out. I'm like very into It'd be story. really funny <laughs> if it wasn't a dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a, a kid stuffed animal. Like, what? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they got the puppy out. Oh, they gave did him he, some did water. Did they tell him? Did he tell them that he was down there for three weeks? Um, did the puppy tell them? Yeah. Maybe. How'd they but know? They found out the owner's name was Sally. Why was this owner like not like, hey, where's my dog? Yeah. Um, oh, she was overwhelmed with relief upon being reunited with the dog three weeks after she disappeared. And Dunn said he was simply happy to help. I swear, this is has to be the same Joe Dunn that I went to UCF with. Because, I mean, it's Florida... And that's really the only case. Yeah, I mean, because it's Florida, so. <laughs> there can't be that many jokes. Usually people in don't want to be uh, anywhere near related to people from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you had your dog? Oh, I'm bad with time. I don't know, like 
three-ish years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm very, sometimes I get worried about how attached I am. To yeah, him. I can yeah. tell you really love your dog. Do you, How do you feel like it impacts your mental health? Um, well, uh, Murphy did not start out as my dog. Oh, um, right. I We adopted Murphy. Me and my ex-partner adopted Murphy, and it was more like he wanted to because it was something that uh, supposedly was going to give him responsibility so that he uh, could get sober or not. S- he d- th- That was never on the table, but it was supposed to give him like responsibility and structure in life. Mm. Um, and then after we adopted him, uh, like things with his substance abuse, like were declining really fast. And then it like hit this rock bottom. Um, and he had to go away and take care of himself. And I um, then became Murphy's like caretaker for that time. And it just really helped me to be of use because I was not being of use to myself. Like I just was just so horrifically, not even heartbroken, just like I was so anxious at the time. Like sometimes I'd be walking and I was like, my feet are going to go over my head. Like I can't walk down this hill like, I don't feel safe. That's how unstable, like, my mental state was. Mm. So Murphy really grounded me because it was like, you have to get out of bed. You have to take him on a walk. You have to feed him. And also, he's just, like, the most loving, happiest dog. Mm-hmm. You know, like, every morning when I wake up, first of all, he's, like, cut, like spooning me. And then he, like, runs around and is, like, all happy. And I always say, like, in like Murphy's voice I'm like I'm just happy to be here you know so it really um it it, like having a dog and having him as a companion has really helped me a lot um so he's he's my dude yeah Yeah. totally I know it's like you can't like not look at these dogs and like smile they I know. Just like so goofy and sweet. They're straight comedians and they have no idea. I know. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so thankful for dogs. Everyone, go get one. I know. You should. Rescue dogs, please. Yeah. I think I want to foster another dog. But. Would it be a pit bull again? Probably because those are. The the singer pit bull. (laughs) Yeah. Those are. Those are. I don't know. Pit bulls are so rampant in the shelters. Like, we have a shelter. I got we got Murphy from this rescue called Ring Dog Rescue, which is mostly pit bulls or like pit bull mixes. But there's this other um, like animal shelter called Richmond Animal Care and Control, and it's literally just pit bulls almost. Like, mm. So yeah, it's also really hard to rent. Like um, <laughs> me and my roommate Candace, <coughs> we ended up living in this horrific apartment for a couple months because we had been looking for an apartment um, and I had to move out of my old place with my ex and we had been looking like I'm not kidding like 60 apartments and one of them was okay with Murphy so oh we were wow. like okay we'll move in and it was like such a trash apartment uh, we ended up breaking the lease and um, like renting with one of like an old landlord of Candace's who's a perfect angel and Murphy and his dog are friends. So oh, yeah. good. Yeah. It's cool. I'm glad it but worked yeah, out. They, they make it really hard to rent with pit bulls. I think that's mm-hmm. another reason a lot of them end up in the shelter. It's really sad. Yeah. There yeah. a lot of places are like no aggressive breeds in the first ones like pit bulls. And yeah. yeah. 
It's a bummer because they're sweet dogs. They are. Um, and so you actually, even though you love the, you're a fan of the podcast, um, you do drink, right? Yes. Um, and you actually work in, in the like beverage alcohol industry in a way. I do. So what about the podcast was like appealing to you? Just the mental health aspect and the self care and all that or? Um, there's that. I also come from, like I've struggled with uh, substance abuse. Um, I've like been in therapy for a couple years. Not um, not you, but people in your life or, oh, I've or s- you? I've, I've struggled with like, oh, okay. alcohol abuse, yeah. And then I come from a long line of like substance abusers and obviously like have dated people who, um, you know, just, it's a common theme. Um, so I just like hearing people share that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you were telling me a lot of people in your family even yes. have yeah. your dad and brothers, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. your ex and other mm-hmm. relationships, you all like definitely abused alcohol. Yeah. So I, yeah. what kind of toll has that taken on you? Um, I think, oh, well, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, um, which I've probably had since I was about 13. But I wasn't diagnosed until... I was like 29 maybe um, because I finally reached a breaking point and uh, when I was with my ex-partner and went to therapy for the first time Um, and a lot of that like the mental there's a lot of mental health issues in my family but my mental health issues and my issues with anxiety were rooted in uh, like my childhood like outside factors Mm -hmm. like um, what do they call that like nature versus nurture okay yeah mine was like definitely like nurture because i had my mom passed away when i was young and i had like this really chaotic childhood and like what wasn't given the room to grieve and was just kind of like thrown around and everyone in my family was just like scrambling with their own issues so uh what was the original question (laughs) uh no no no, this is good i'm because you're kind of like this is kind of like your story you're starting like so when you're a kid yeah you (laughs) You, your mom passed away when you were how old? Uh, it was in 1998. I think, let's see. It was like right after my 12th birthday, I think. Like two weeks after my 12th birthday. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot for yeah. a kid to go yeah. through. I got my first period like two weeks after she died. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know, that was trash. Because it's <laughs> like you are fully there as, as a 12-year-old. Like, yeah. you know, if you were to lose her as like a... I don't know, a baby or something. It doesn't make it any better, but you know, you'd had a relationship with her. Oh yeah. We were, you lost her. Super close. Yeah. yeah. So that's, so that you feel like that's when like the anxiety kind of started for you. I think, I mean, that is definitely like an extremely traumatic experience. Um, it has, um, influenced a lot in my life. The fact that I lost her and like navigating that pain for so long. But I think the big part is that, um nothing against my family but no one was i don't know like no one was equipped to like grieve so i wasn't given the space to grieve i just had to like like i developed a lot of anxiety about like you know like do everything right because if you do everything right you won't get in trouble you know Mm. like just like don't be seen don't i don't know like I just I just wasn't given the space to properly grieve the loss of her. And then so that followed me a lot longer than it should have. So, yeah. So, like, I think probably up until 
maybe a couple years ago, I still was like fully grieving the loss of her. And it's been like forever, like right. 20 years. Cause you didn't actually start grieving until later. Yeah. Like, and like dealing with it. Yeah. It was just kind of like pushed down. Um, and then, you know, my dad had his own like guilt and his own issues. So he was unable to take care of me. So I ended up um, moving in with my sister who was eight years older than me, who was basically like early twenties, also grieving the loss of her mother. Mm. And that was my main caretaker. Um, so it's not that she didn't do her best. She did, but it, she definitely didn't have the uh, skill set to be dealing with that. So, so did you have like a lot of freedom growing up then since you like lived with your older sister? I'm, Cause I'm mm-hmm. sure she's like working and doing her own thing too. Yeah. She worked at Home Depot and she went to community college. So yeah, I, w- I was mainly just like kind of in the care of friends. I was always like a pretty good kid. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I snuck out of the house once or like, fell asleep at a boy's house once you know mm-hmm. but I was a pretty like self-restrained kid in high school until like senior year and then that's when I started uh partying and stuff so <laughs> yeah yeah so usually when it starts that's yeah. when I started yeah at least yeah <laughs> yeah so um I kind of have two things I want to go like, I want to hear more about your relationship with drinking because you mentioned that you've definitely uh, like have abused or guilty of abusing it at times. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like when I was younger, uh, like early twenties, I'm 32, I'll be 33 this year. So like when we were working at Eola, I went through like this really bad, um, heartbreak and it really like destroyed my ego. Mm. So like I just started like partying and drinking and I didn't realize at the time, like, it was just my anxiety like telling me that like each moment had to be more exciting or else like I was going to fall into like this pit of despair, you know? Um, so that's when I kind of like learned these habits, you know, that like when things are bad, like, I don't know. It was kind of like, I felt like that's what people liked about me too. It was like, Oh, Sarah's fun. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh my God. I totally relate to that. It's like, Oh, put a quarter in her and watch (laughs) her go, you know, just like spinning around the room. Oh, it's your birthday. You want to have a good time? Invite like Lindsay or invite Sarah. Yeah. yeah. She'll break into a pool. (laughs) It's like, Oh God. Which I still do stuff like that. And it's honestly, I don't know. Okay. So, um, yeah, and then when I was dating, uh, when I moved to Richmond and was in, like, this relationship, um, like, his substance abuse was so bad, and my anxiety was so bad, and I had no support system in place because I had left all my friends, and I didn't really want my friends to know I was flailing. Like, every once in a while, I would, like, call my friend Megan or call my friend Heather and be like, oh, my God, like, things are really bad. I don't know what to do, but it still was, like, I wasn't. I was in complete denial. Um, <clears throat> so my defense mechanism was to just get really fucked up so that I could handle the fact that my partner was really fucked up. Mm-hmm. So when he got sober, the we were still like really unhappy together. So those habits just kind of continued. And it took a lot of work um, and therapy and a lot of like self-realization to find those moments like because I like to drink and I like to have fun and I, I do like that energetic quality of me where I'm like let's you know let, oh let's go like, go skinny dipping on the beach but there are times when I know that it's pain or like something darker that is 
driving those decisions Mm -hmm. and I have to be extremely careful to like drink when I'm in a good place or like make sure that I'm not drinking as a cover up or drinking as a crutch that I'm using other coping mechanisms because it will like quickly go into like binge drinking and like you know like just roll like spinning around the room and like it's just it seems fun on the surface but the next day I'm just like that's not healthy behavior yeah so you're able to recognize when it's not just drinking for fun when it's drinking to deal with stuff and then are you usually able to like stop yourself or Mm -hmm. maybe take a little break or what do you normally do in those cases yeah and that's well (coughs) there's like different tells you know like so that's what my therapist taught me like there was this time when uh, I was like out drinking at my favorite bar and then like some dude that I hooked up with walked in and I was like oh fuck and just like couldn't really like talk for a second and then like just was like boom like you know like let's do shots of tequila let's do this so Mm -hmm. like like being like stunned to the point of like blinking a few times and not saying anything that's a tell (laughs) yeah you know what let's call it a night yeah let's uh so yeah there's just different things like that but you have to be like not that i'm like the most self-aware person i I try to be self-aware but it's like yeah it's been a lot of hard work to um be able to just moderate and not have it go to a dark place or if if i see it turning to be able to be like you know you don't need to be doing this Mm -hmm. (laughs) right kind of thing yeah um so I don't know. Yeah, that's great that you can recognize that it can be a really dangerous thing. And yeah, and I've all just that. seen it be dangerous for basically my whole family and more than half of my partners. So, right. Um, so, yeah. what has that been like? Like dealing, I don't know, with having that much addiction mm-hmm. in your life. I think that was my original <coughs> question at the beginning. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, do you feel like people end up not being there for you a lot or hurting mm-hmm. you because of their uh, like? substance abuse definitely um like i don't think that they mean to like i don't some one of my brothers is a really um like the worst kind of addict (laughs) i'll just say that okay um he's been clean for just a couple years but he's basically been like on opiates and like everything for my entire life so when i went down to florida last july it was literally the first time in my entire life that i saw him sober Mm. but i've always had like a real soft spot for him because he was my mom's favorite and they had like a really like intimate relationship because my father was abusive to him and my mom would like protect him and he took it really really hard when she died um and that's when like his addiction just like snowballed but I've always had a soft spot for him, but he was like missing for most of my life, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I don't know. It was like, there's that like this person that I care about and it's like, oh, he's like my brother. So I feel like I'm supposed to have a relationship with him, but then he's like gone all the time. So that was really confusing as a kid. And then my oldest brother is really like distant from our family also because he experienced a different father than I did my Mm -hmm. dad was an alcoholic and like sold cocaine and stuff when they were kids (coughs) because they're like 18 years older than me okay so 
they just had a different childhood, so there was a lot of distance. And then when my mom died, like the distance was even stronger because she was the thing that they wanted connection with. Mm-hmm. So kind of without her there, it was just like this kind of strained relationship with their dad, I guess. Um, and this is all speculation also because I don't really talk to them. But my brother, my oldest brother, when I was in high school, like tried to commit suicide and then he you know stopped drinking after that he's been in the program you know for 16 years so it's like both of my brothers and my dad are in this program together and it's kind of strange because it's like my brothers share stories about how my dad was abusive to them Mm -hmm. and like how that led to their alcoholism and substance abuse problems but then my dad is also in the room and are they like because your dad's been in the program for how long like 33 years okay so so they go to meetings together yeah oh yeah. So that's like, that could be awkward. Yeah. Like the guy yeah. that you're talking about that like kind of ruined your life is like in that room. room. Yeah. And then what's even stranger is, you know, I have a pretty strained relationship with my dad. Um, I've, I've definitely come to terms with it, but he just, you know, has a lot of, my whole family just has a lot of unchecked, you know, mm-hmm. kind of mental health shit. And, uh, you know, he didn't take my mom passing well at all. And he wasn't there for me. So we have like this weird, strained relationship. But <coughs> I've gone to meetings with him before and people are like, oh, my God, you're Frank's daughter. He saved my life. Like, like he is like, it's just strange, like what he couldn't couldn't give to his kids. He could give to other people. Yeah. You know, so it's just really I'm not resentful of it. You're it's like, oh, that's nice really that he helped you. But it would have been nice if he was there I for know. me. Type and I of think thing. like that's the reason why he is. He has, you know. He, I don't know. I think, I know you're in the program. I don't know how you feel. Like, like earlier I said, you know, it made me feel good to be of use to Murphy. Mm-hmm. And I know that like part of overcup overcoming addiction is like be useful. Right. It's definitely about not just being sober, but like making amends and helping others and just kind of overall being a better person. So that is surprising to hear that, you know, obviously your dad knows the program very well. He's been in it for over 30 years that he wouldn't take those steps with his mm-hmm. own d- ch- like kids. I wonder what um, he did apologize to me once we were leaving Olive Garden. <laughs> 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 <Of course. laughs> yeah. And we were, just like what is that their theme there where everyone's family? Yeah. Everyone's family. <laughs> it was just weird. Cause we were like leaving Olive Garden and like, I don't know. Like I was still like in the thick of like, like, grieving and like I hadn't been going to therapy yet like I just I wasn't like a mentally well person at this stage in my life and like replaying like my childhood and everything that happened it was like very at the forefront of everything Mm -hmm. so it was just kind of funny because I was just driving his SUV back to his house and we're at a stoplight and he's like you know I I wasn't real good to you I'm sorry about that. And it was like, that was the moment, you know, like it was just so strange because it had like informed my whole life. And then it was like, oh, that's it. You know, like there's no music. There's no Ferris wheel. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what is this bullshit? You know, like, but it was just like so anticlimactic. But did you feel any kind of peace after that? Um, I didn't because I was so like fearful, like still like fearful of, confrontation then I was like oh no 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 it's all right but I wish that I mean I hope that one day we can have a conversation about it but at the same time I don't know 
Mm, yeah <laughs> you had yeah you definitely had like a, a rough childhood you went through mm-hmm. a lot emotionally and like you could have chosen the same path as like your dad or your brothers but you are like consciously you know looking out for yourself and bettering yourself what kind of inspired you to do that um I really reached a breaking point um when I was dating uh my ex-partner um where I so I was dating my ex-partner and I was also in this really horrible, um, well, first of all, I have an anxious attachment style. So like the fact that he would like disappear and not call me, like it, it like would lead me to like self-harm. Like I was just like, I literally can't handle how this feels right now. Um, and it would like pull and trigger all this stuff from like, like all these emotions about like my mom dying and never coming back. Like Mm. it was just really intense emotions. And I put myself in that situation kind of, but (coughs) that's neither here nor there. Um, But I was also in this really shitty work situation, like with these chefs who were just like so fucking mean. Like I just, I can't believe like how emotionally abusive they were so it was like i had like this shit situation at home and then go to work to like this shit situation and it was like it was just like so stressful and i just remember like going out to brunch one day and like just came home and i just started crying because i was full like i felt full and i didn't like how that felt so i just started crying like you physically felt like full from food yeah and i was like i don't like how this feels and i just like couldn't i just Uh, started crying like i just hmm. was like what like i had just reached like such a breaking point of like instability like i wasn't riding my bike anymore because i was convinced i was just gonna like fall off of it like like I said, like sometimes I'd be walking. And I'm like, oh my, like my feet are literally not steady on the ground. Mm. And I just, I was like, I can't, I literally can't live like this anymore. So I um, found like this place called Richmond Creative Counseling or a friend told me about this place called Richmond Creative Counseling. And I just emailed them and I was like, I'm having a really hard time and I want to see a therapist. And, you know, I just, I just went. And, wow. like, as soon as I walked in the door, I just started crying. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, God. Um, so is that where you go now still? No. Um, my therapist name there was Sarah, and she um, – I actually had a kerfuffle where I emailed her one of my bits. <laughs> Instead of yourself? <laughs> Instead of myself. <laughs> yeah. Because you were doing, st- like, your stand-up bits? Yeah. Okay. Because you did stand-up, too. Yeah. We were so similar. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I actually, like, added it into my stand-up that I accidentally emailed her, like, this raunchy, like, bit. And she emailed me back and was like, oh, my God, I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> like, please let me know how it goes. But it went well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she moved to New York, so she actually connected me with this lady, Camille Adams, who I I had a really great experience with my first therapist. But this therapist I have now, like, I love her like she is the one for me oh <laughs> yeah um i'm so lucky and she and i actually got like bummed because my health insurance changed and the, she's not on their panel so it's not covered anymore mm-hmm. but i kind of was at a place where i didn't need to go every week you know so um i go once a month i just pay out of pocket um and she's great like yeah yeah i, I love her and i i remember also you mentioned that you have gone to s- 
like a psychiatrist um, because I had an episode about my experience at a psychiatrist. And I think in the episode I kind of talked about how I really didn't like it because it was very like robotic and just like they were reading like questions out of a computer and like just plugging in answers. And it was like they weren't actually listening to me. There was no connection, which unfortunately I've heard is a lot of people's experience. But you Mm -hmm. had a different experience, right? Um, Yeah. So I still go to that psychiatrist. I go every three months. Um, uh, and it's like, at this point, it's like literally a 10 minute, like, are you suicidal? Like, yeah, you know, are you losing weight? Are you gaining weight? Like, how are you feeling? Like, do you want to have sex? Like stuff like that. Like a maintenance kind of thing. Yeah. Like she's like, do you feel that anything is wrong? Okay. Do you want to maintain your dosage? Okay. Um, so I take, uh, but like initially what, like, was she more, she was more like interested in what was going yeah. on right it to was diagnose you. not it wasn't robotic but it was like rapid fire because she is literally like one at the time she was the only like nurse practitioner like psychiatric nurse practitioner in the whole practice mm. um and now i think there's three um so it was rapid fire but like i felt like she asked me a lot of questions about like she's like what's your goal here you know like do you want to take medicine long term? Like, uh, just like she talked to me about what was going on. She wasn't just like, oh yeah, okay, just take this, it'll be fine. Yeah. Or like she didn't like push anything on me. The first couple times I met with her, I was like, no, I, like I don't think I want to take medicine. I'm just like, you know, considering my options. And she was in no way pushing me to do that mm-hmm. at all. Um, she's also just like a really cool individual. Um, she lived across the street from me. Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which was, like, kind of funny. I, like, walked out, and I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> which they're not, like, supposed to say hi to you unless you say hi. So I guess she had known that I oh. I was living there and was like, but she can't say anything because yeah. I don't know, whatever. That's so funny. Hippo like, laws or whatever they're called. Yeah. She's cool. Yeah. That's I, great because yeah. Yeah, I feel like with mine, I was, like, telling her where I was at. I gave her, like, a little spiel. And then she was like, she got into the questions. Then like, she was like, are you depressed? I was like, I literally just went into detail for five minutes about how I'm depressed. Like, so it was like blatantly obvious that she wasn't actually listening to me and just like, and then when I went the second time, they're just like, um, we're just going to bump you up 50 to milligrams to a hundred, like for no reason whatsoever. It's a huge jump. And like, I didn't ask for that. I don't, I was like very nervous about it. And so yeah, it's like, what did they have you on? That was Zoloft. Okay. But now um, you're on Lexapro, right? Yeah, I take 10 milligrams. And it's interesting because I have like, it just depends on how your brain works, I guess, because I've been like, oh, I took Lexapro and I feel great. But I was on Prozac for a little bit and I was like, this makes me feel like trash. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. And then I know people who have had like the exact opposite experience. Okay. So I guess it's just like has to do with your... It's like, it sucks that you have to try out different things and it it can be really shitty. It kind of weirds me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's just mess with like our whole personality and mood and like brain function and just just to see what happens. Yeah. (laughs) That's another reason I have to be really careful with drinking because like on Lexapro, like basically at drink three, like... I don't get like sloppy blackout drunk, but it's just like, I don't remember the next, like the next day. It's like, it's not blacking out. Cause I'm not, well, I, I guess I am drinking to the point of blacking out, but it's not like I'm drinking more than my 
body can handle. It's like I'm functionally, I'm functioning normally. It's just that there's no memories the mm. next day. And that's like a really weird feeling. You know, usually when you drink to the point of blackout, it's like your brain is like, you're done. Yeah. And then the <laughs> next know. day you're like, you remember some of it at least. Yeah. But yeah, drinking on Lexapro is not... Not recommended yeah, at all. You're not supposed actually. to. It's actually kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of dangerous because it fucks your brain up. But um, yeah, so that's another reason why I've definitely like pumped the brakes in the last couple years. Because mm-hmm. um, that's I'm like, what? Like, why is this? I don't know. It's strange. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I noticed like on the trip, like you, I haven't seen you drink once. I think you mentioned that you like grabbed a drink like when I during the day when I was at work and you were doing like yeah. some exploring, but like, Oh yeah. I had a, like, I was like waiting to get into, um, the infinity room, which highly recommend. And then at the, at the broad uh, but, uh, the museum. Yeah. yeah. So I had like a cider. And then after that, I went to that place, Tiki tea and mm-hmm. had a drink and that place was really cool. But uh, there was like this guy, like trying like this old disgusting guy, like trying to hone in on me. So I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, I used to go to that bar. And I think, like, yeah. the earlier crowd is, like, older men, like, old yeah. dudes. So, yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah, it's just, like, interesting because I know, like, every time I went on a trip when I was drinking, like, that was literally all that I did. I woke up and would get, like, a drink at a bar and then go, like, it was like I missed out on so much, like, sightseeing and stuff because it was just, it revolved around, like, what bar we're going to go to next. And Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool that you're not doing that and yeah, you're actually, yeah, like, yeah. enjoying the trip and seeing stuff and that's yeah. really cool so yeah that is that's what i came for i don't know yeah i wasn't super interested in i don't know like like i told you like back when last year when you got sober i was like yeah drinking just kind of has become a little boring mm-hmm. like it's like it's the same thing it's like you're just numbing yourself to be able to deal with like the stupidity around you and you might as well use that time to like fill it with s- either like I'm not like a highly productive person but at least like look at something pretty or like yeah <laughs> forward yourself in some type not and even forward yourself just like see something different or something and new. the hangovers get worse too oh my god I get so hungover it's just like I don't know this kind of <laughs> makes me realize there's so many different levels of drinking mm-hmm. and it's like such a, a range where it's everybody falls in a slightly different place you know it's not like so black and white like you're an alcoholic and i'm not it's like some people drink a lot but they're able to control it and like recognize it or some people like me where i was never been able to be that self-aware like as you are and recognize that and stop myself when i was drinking my solution was to cut it out completely because i yeah i would have never been able to make the decisions that you make when you drink you know to stop like, mm-hmm. before so yeah it's just like so interesting now how we're all so different yeah i mean there was definitely a time when like i said like it really was through like my new therapist like identifying like you're binge drinking and i'm like oh because <laughs> i would just like go days without drinking but then when i drank it was like mm-hmm. you know crazy i mean for me it would be like six to eight drinks or something like that yeah now like yeah like i do have like crazy nights or whatever but it's not i don't know it just like doesn't feel like it's from a dark place but i'm always re-examining or like trying to like be self-aware and re-examine and be like i need to kind of pump the brakes and right i don't know but it's not like 
yeah, there was definitely a time where I was like, oh, God. And it sucked because, you know, I had just, you know, gone through, like, this fucked up relationship where my boyfriend was fucked up all the time and then he got sober and then it was like I was the one with a drinking problem after that. Mm. And it was, like, kind of embarrassing. Yeah. You know, where it was like, well, shit. You know, like, right. <laughs> you know, like, well, now he's done, but I'm not done, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a, it takes a lot of like self-examination and I don't know. I'm not saying that like in the future it's not something I might take off the table or like, you know, take a break from or something. It's just Yeah. I I right now feel like in a better place with my uh relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. and I do like enjoy wine and enjoy tequila and all that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. you were telling me that you just feel like you're in a good place all around right now too. I for do. Like the first time in a while. And yeah. Like that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, but it's like a lot of hard work, like, you know, yeah. going to therapy and taking care of yourself and dealing with grief and past things. And now yeah. you, you feel like you're in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. First time in 32 years. <laughs> Way to go. It, it, t- it took us both a little bit, but yeah. we got there. Yeah. We figured um, it out. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to talk about reality TV, but I know that you're not a fan of reality TV. Um, but I have watched some reality TV since, since I've been since here. you've been staying. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. had I put on Southern Charm. Yeah, I actually is, like they actually were like touching on like mental health and sobriety and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it's becoming more popular for some of these Bravo reality stars to get sober. I think like almost every every uh, show has at least one sober person that like quit because they had a problem with it. So I think that's kind of, they are doing some good. It's yeah. Yeah. They're destroying my IQ, but yeah, no, (laughs) definitely not. Um, well, yeah, I liked on this episode that we were just watching or like it was on in the background while you were prepping. Um, it was like the girl's friends were all like, when I tell you to be there at five, you have to be there at five. Five doesn't mean sex. And the girl was like, you have to understand that like I'm dealing with depression and things are hard for me. And like, I've been going through years of not having structure and like, I'm not doing it to, you know, not be held accountable. It's just like really hard for me. And I was like, yeah, that's, so that's very that's like an honest yeah answer yeah yeah because she's the one that's sober too she yeah. had like a, a drinking i think like a drug problem and yeah. but then like there was a whole thing where she has two kids with this senator guy who's also been like accused of rape and drugs and all oh sorts no. of stuff so um but he's kind of like a powerful person. So he was able to get custody over the kids still. And so that's why she got sober so that she could get her kids back. And now I think she, uh, she might get full custody because he's had some new allegations come out, but, um, yeah, crazy. They're going (laughs) to, they only know their (laughs) nanny. They're like, who are you mom? Yeah. That's probably like actually good. Yeah. They have like this one stable person. Toxic environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I do watch the great British bakes. Yeah, is that yeah. on Netflix as well? It's on Netflix and Hulu. Okay, that's very uplifting. Yeah, it's just like, it makes me feel really nice. <laughs> like, I don't know, they're just so supportive and like sweet. And then after like episode five, I just like cry every episode. Just like, I don't know. Like, it's I'll like your like your <laughs> version of This Is Us. Like that. I watched that show. <laughs> oh my God, me and my roommate love that show. I, I heard it's really sad. It is a saccharine nightmare it's like, like people are i always hear people say they cry after every oh episode. my god i 
had like I cried so hard during the episode with Jack's funeral that I had to take a shower <laughs> to conceal <laughs> my sobs. Like oh I was God. like had like my I was like that, like had like my <laughs> shirt over my face and just like could not contain myself. Like Candace, wow. Candace is gonna be so happy to hear a TIU shout out because <laughs> Wait, T- like, oh this is us. This is us. Is yeah. that like <laughs> hurt me so good, Mandy. Oh my God. But no, but it's like I'll just be lay- like I was just like laying on the couch watching British bakes and I didn't even realize like tears were falling out of my face, but my like my Candace walked in. Like happy tears? Like just like tears. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It was just (laughs) they were just falling out of my face. Yeah. (laughs) And uh then I like didn't realize till like my roommate walked in and I was like, Oh, oh dear. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) We pull myself together and just British bake off. Yeah. That's so funny. And I do love old school, like the first couple seasons of Real World, like pre Hawaii. Yeah, that yeah. was that's a classic. That was like yeah. one of the first reality TV shows. Yeah, they got really real, like in San Fran and stuff, with like Pedro. Oh, I didn't. Had, I didn't get HIV. that into. It. Was that? Were you in high school then when you were watching that? Ooh, no. Oh. I think that was like early or late nineties. Oh, so you were like even younger. Yeah, I graduated two thousand five. Yeah, see, because yeah. that's why. Because my um, I lived in a pretty strict household, and uh, well, my sister MTV is like eight really years older than me. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I missed out on a lot of stuff uh, like that, but making up for it now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, this was awesome. I'm so um, excited to hang out with you today and explore and have you show me around. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to. (laughs) Uh, All right. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye.